Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Lembit OPIC. You're listening to Lembit OPIC on today's news talk radio, TNT. Welcome back to the Lembit OPIC show here on today's news talk, TNT. One more hour to go. Where does the time go? It does fly by. Very big thank you to Jules, uh, who was a fantastic guest, uh, speaking very candidly about something which I'm now completely persuaded is the truth, uh, that the vaccination program enforced upon much of the world has done more harm than good. We should have trusted nature and we should have treated COVID as a kind of bad flu. As it is, we're now living with the legacy of the vaccination program, which was the most enormous test in the history of the human race, turning our civilization into guinea pigs. It's also notable that many world leaders seem to avoid the vaccination. I wonder why. Uh, when Novak Djokovic, the tennis player, refused to be vaccinated at the time, I thought he was in the wrong. How wrong could I have been? Uh, and as a result of that, of course, he was willing to sacrifice his status as a tennis player uh, in terms of world rankings, but I think with good cause. Uh, keep your calls and comments coming on that. I'll just read a few of them. Uh, good interview, Lembit. Thanks, says Blodders, about uh, my conversation with Jules. Uh, Miss Lippy says, neither am I a sheep nor a follower. Uh, and uh, Mogden says, very good, Lambert. Look forward to hearing the interview with Chris Edwards. Yes, we're going to get Chris Edwards on. Uh, he is an expert by the sound of it uh, when it comes to the issue of vaccinations. Uh, long message there from Hidden in Plain Sight, which I happen to agree with, but please read it yourself. Go to the site and then you'll be able to see it because I haven't got time to read the whole thing. But I do agree with what you're saying there. Uh, and uh, uh, Hidden in Plain Sight points out to also here on this radio as well as many others um uh talking about uh, another contributor i think uh red asks uh, i should ask hancock about his murder of our elders specifically to try to create the illusion of a pandemic is he a good bloke well as an individual i get on with him but i don't accept that he had any justification to tell us to obey a lockdown that he himself was breaking that's my fundamental issue also about senior team presenters who are telling us every single day uh, to obey the government when they themselves are trying to break those rules. Nor do I respect the antics of a prime minister or former prime minister who was telling us that we had to obey the rules when he himself allowed his crew in Downing Street number 10 to run amok, have parties that he himself attended. Uh, that's hardly libelous because he was fined for doing so. That is the issue that I have here. Uh, and uh, many other uh, individuals uh, making good points here. Uh, we are going to get uh, Chris Edwards on, hopefully next week, latest a week after, depending on his availability. I'm not going to get let this rest. And we'll get Jules on, Jules Serkin on again with her campaign. Now, I just want to mention one other quick story here, uh, which uh, I suppose leads us into our next guest in an interesting way, because we're going to be talking a bit of politics uh, and that's the rather curious case of a couple of by-elections uh, which took place in the United Kingdom over the week on Thursday evening, when the Conservatives, the party of government at the moment, uh, lost quite dramatically to the Labour Party. Uh, both uh, of those relatively large majorities were overturned by Labour. And 
Uh, during the weekend, as often happens, there's navel gazing by those people in the Conservatives saying things like uh, the by-election losses came uh, against a very difficult backdrop. That's what one Conservative minister has said on television this morning. Yes, the very difficult backdrop is they messed up the country and we're in a recession in the United Kingdom. And we've got all kinds of other problems, own goals you could suggest, not least caused by the idiotic pursuit of a net zero carbon dioxide agenda, which has made our energy prices go sky high. The question I ask our politicians is this, why do you think we have a very difficult backdrop? And I put that to both the Conservatives and the Labour Party, because while Labour defeated Conservatives, not many people think that they're going to be much better. It's a lesser of evils. That's what seems to be the backdrop for the next general election. Uh, we've seen Keir Starmer and the Labour Party pretty much in lockstep with the Conservatives on the big issues. They don't want to ceasefire in the Gaza Strip, despite the deaths of thousands, thousands upon thousands of civilians in that circumstance. Uh, they both seem to think that there's a climate emergency. And then they both begin to become ragged on that once they see the price tag. But fundamentally, the choice is one of voting for the blue uni party candidates or the red uni party candidates. I put it to you that British politics is in a parlous state. I mentioned earlier when I was talking to my first guest, Andrew Allison from the uh, Freedom Association, the difficulty is we have a political class of people who haven't done anything else. They haven't got a stake in the game of ordinary living. They don't starve because their salaries are well above the national average, and I think they should be, but nor do they hunger to get it right the way those of us who have faced unemployment and faced being fired from work, who have faced the everyday challenges of ordinary life. This is the problem that we face in this country. What is the solution? Well. In a moment or two, we're going to look at another test case of failure in the capital of the United Kingdom, London, by a mayor who ignored all consultation <laughs> advice, which rejected a change to uh, a tax system, uh, which taxes you for having an old car, and introduced it anyway. Why is this happening? Well, we can probably get some enlightenment from my next guest, who's an avid campaigner. Uh, she'll explain what she's campaigning about and why she's doing it. If you've got views on this, go to our website, that's tntradio.live. You'll find the chat is very lively today, always is, on a Saturday and Sunday. Uh, or you can phone in as well, and as long as we've got the time, we'll get you on the call. What matters is that you think for yourself and use TNT as an opportunity to get facts as best we can establish them and share opinions, but they're flagged as opinions, not some sneaky propaganda that you get from the old mainstream media, uh, media, the MSM collective. That's what we offer here, and hopefully you'll find that stimulating. You're certainly going to enjoy our next guest right here on the Lembit OPIC show on TNT. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Uh, Claire Dyer joins us now. Claire, you find me in ranty mode today, I think. I've, I've whipped myself up into a one-man angry mob. Thanks for joining my show. You're, thank you very much for having me on. Um, yeah, I would say that I'm a one-woman angry mob. <laughs> <laughs> There's a synergy then. The sum of the whole will be greater than the sum of the parts. Let's whip up the world. Let's start yeah. with 
let's start with your credentials. You've been a pretty avid campaigner. How did you become active? What stimulated you to campaign and what do you campaign about? Um, it actually was four years ago um, with COVID. I knew, well, let's just say I believe COVID was a lie. Um, I I saw the timeline for everything that was going to happen. So obviously, you know, the lockdowns to manipulate people, re, you know, condition people into the way they live their lives. So obviously the whole working from home. Um, you know, it was, it, it was a fear campaign, basically. I knew the vaccines were coming out. I did a lot of research on the, the vaccines and I just knew that they it wasn't right, basically. You know, they'd never, they hadn't had the two-year trialing. They'd never been put into the human body before. Um, and basically, they were going to give these out globally and everyone was going to be the long-term data. And there was just, it, there was just too many things. It just led me down a rabbit hole, let's say, of researching and just seeing an entire gender. And ULES was obviously going to be a part of that you know we have ULES um but this scheme was obviously going to go out globally because let's just say the agenda which initially was agenda 20 it's now agenda 30 it kick-started it's been a long time in planning but it kick-started in 2020 and that's when things massively changed and globally you know around the world all these countries are singing the same hymn strips hymn sheet basically you know um There'll, there'll be those who, that, that, I'll, I'll say, I'm not sure many of our viewers would say this, but let me make the obvious and well-worn accusation that you're a conspiracy theorist and you're looking for conspiracies where there are none. Let's just get this out of the way now. Uh, what do you say to people who, who would argue that you're just uh, becoming paranoid about the state? I would say... People will always say that it's a flippant comment. Oh, politicians always lie. Oh, politicians are corrupt. But then when they're actually faced with something, I think that to actually believe that they could be being deceived, it, it's too much for the human brain to take on. I mean, we look at our government almost a little bit like parents, don't we? They're supposed to be there to sort of look after us, look after the country and do the best for the people. So to think that they could possibly be doing anything other than that, um, I think it's quite hard for people to kind of comprehend. I would also say that, as you've mentioned, you know, the mainstream media, they only tell us what they want us to know. There's a whole world obviously within the world, of news and information and things that are going on that they won't allow on mainstream media. But they've played a very good job of um, discrediting any other form of so, uh, you know, social, social media or any other news channel. Um, it's the same with any doctor, scientist, climate change. Um, you know, take David Bellamy. I mean, didn't he get cancelled because he said it was effectively a lie? Anyone who goes against what... It, mainstream media um, wants you to know they're cancelled, they're discredited, it, so you will never believe them. But if people I've, choose to actually spend the time researching, there is information out there to say yeah, otherwise. I've, I've experienced that myself. Um, I used to work for the state-sponsored channel in the United Kingdom, and I was told off, I was told to not challenge the climate emergency. And I was saying, but my guest was factually wrong. For example, uh, on one occasion, my guest said that there was a polar bear extinction crisis, which was caused by climate change. And when I pointed out to my guest, who was well-meaning green, 
She wasn't a bad person, but she was wrong. Uh, when I pointed out that the polar bear population is at a record level since 1962, after we came off air, I was told by my producer, we don't say things like that. And I said, but surely the state-sponsored channel's charter is truth. And she said, no, we don't question anything when it comes to climate change. And so I got trouble. I got trouble for trying to correct a fact. There's a woman called Susan Crockford who's written a book about uh, polar bear catastrophe that never happened in school. And, and as you say, as soon as you step outside those parameters, you're in danger. And the other thing yeah. I noticed, and I mentioned this with my previous guest, is that you occasionally get these upstart TV stations that claim that they're going to say truth. Then they have a horrendous balance sheet because they can't get advertising. Then they junk the truth and start conforming like everybody else. And I'm heartbroken to see one of them that used to have me on talking about climate emergency being a, a scam, now talking about the climate emergency. Uh, and you yeah. must see a lot of this too, because you're swimming against the tide. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I first started speaking out in March 2020, and I just used my own social media to do that. Um, you know, initially, I would have said I was probably like 1%. Um, trying to find people that thought the same. Uh, I would say that, you know, I wouldn't say I'm labelled so much a conspiracy theorist now because everything that we said has actually come true. So now a lot of people are actually starting to wake up and seeing what has actually happened because everything, I mean, I said, did I suddenly wake up one day and become psychic? No, I saw the timeline. I spent enough time researching. I mean, to be honest, it took over my life, um, researching everything as much as I could, you know, hours upon hours. And so many people go, oh, I haven't got time for that. Oh, I can't be bothered to look into that. And I'm thinking, well, you should because the information is there you know so that whole timeline of what was going to happen you know vaccine passports um universal basic income um moving on to obviously to the congestion charging that's all about reducing people's movements that's what lockdown was about you know in during lockdown it was you couldn't go more than 15 minutes from your own home why what was going to happen if you went 16 minutes from your own home? Were you suddenly going to die from COVID? Why 15 minutes? You know, and then you look forward now and we they're publicising 15-minute cities. But if you talked about 15-minute cities 18 months ago, you were a conspiracy theorist. Now it's been slowly drip-fed into mainstream media. It's psychological. Everything is just, If you look at everything as a psychological game, you can see how, how they're going about it to manipulate society. You're getting a lot of support here in, in the chat. Let me look down and read some of the messages. Uh, Hidden in Plain Sight says, mm, I thought Agenda 21 was achieved and was the whole lead up to the Rio Earth Summit in 92. No, Agenda 21 was about the 21st century. And I remember I thought it was a joke when I first heard about it in around 92. And now, <laughs> as Claire says, <laughs> they're taking it seriously, uh, which yeah. is unbelievable because the people who were promoting it when I was active in politics in the early 90s, they were regarded as the nutters. And now those people are running the agenda. Uh, Jones from Wales says, there are no polar bears ne near me anymore, so it must be real. Thanks, Jones. See what you did there. Um, uh, Madrid uh, has made a comment. Uh, the great David Bellamy, who was a qualified scientist, you're quite right, Madrid. And I got your other message. I understand it. I'll get in touch with you about the other campaign we're working on. Uh, just two more. Uh, uh, Hidden in Plain Sight adds, who knows who cares? The globalists are our enemy and the governments are in our way. Uh, hello, Etienne, by the way. Uh, I'm quite right, Madrid. I should have said hello earlier on to her. 
just one more here. Uh, and, uh, well, everyone's pretty much going on about the, the Convid scandal. And yeah. uh, it seems to me, as you say, in the past, mm -hmm. these people, including yourself and perhaps myself, would be regarded as the extremists. But the whole thing, the edifice is crumbling. And I wonder what's going to happen. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's as soon as the scientists, so you obviously had David Bellamy cancelled, um, but as soon as um, the scientists start, started speaking out, I mean, you had Mike Eden, you know, uh, former CEO of Pfizer, speaking out, discredited, cancelled. And Peter McCullough, he's a top leading cardiologist in the US. He he was silenced and cancelled. And there was many, many more. There was only one story. And that story was COVID. It was a killer. You had to be vaccinated. Um, otherwise, you were going to probably get really sick and die. But the goalposts kept moving. And like I say, then COVID sort of built it out. And then all of a sudden, the climate activists came out. And even celebrities, all of a sudden, celebrities were posting on their Twitter and their Instagram about climate change. It was almost as if they'd been given a memo to say, right, this is what you've got to talk about now, because everyone would follow it. If your, your celebrity that you follow is talking about it, the mainstream media are talking about it, Greta Thunberg started making an appearance left, right, center everywhere and that was the next part of the agenda to push you know we're in a climate change emergency scare everybody again and right this is what we need to do and no one wants to go against the grain you know you've got a lot of people that are like me that are going to go no it's a lie and we're going to be brave and we're going to speak out even though we're going to get called you know conspiracy theorist or where's your team fall hat and to be honest have you ever seen anyone wearing a team fall hat i haven't <laughs> so you know where uh, did that even come from i have i have but it was in irony uh, hold that thought <laughs> uh let's look at a couple of test cases of the kind of campaigning we're talking about in london and perhaps if you've got time we'll talk about the general uh, climate emergency in fact let's start with that this climate emergency that wasn't uh we're talking with uh with Claire, who is Claire Dyer, who is uh, a campaigner and free thinker. Uh, keep bringing your comments in. If you want to phone in as well, you'll find the phone numbers on our website. That's tntradio.live. Uh, this is the Lemon to Oakwick Show on TNT. See you in a few minutes. TNT's Jeremy Nell. He was saying to me how he has found himself trying to unlearn and relearn a lot of what he thought he knew thanks to the COVID era. And that's precisely echoing what I've been saying. And I su suppose millions of people have been saying that. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, the Second World War was obviously a major societal event and, and global event, etc. You know, and you know, this, in a way, what we've been through for the last four years seems to be is you have to go back to the Second World War to find something similar for people of our generation um, and, and all people in the West, at least. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. 
If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. Welcome back to the Lambert OPEC show. We've got about 40 minutes left to share the facts as we can see them and our opinions as we hold them. Your only duty is to think for yourself. That's what TNT is all about. Uh, the fact you're here makes me optimistic that you are one of those free thinkers. A growing number of people, if our viewing figures are anything to go by. Uh, with me still is Claire Dyer, who's definitely a free thinker. Uh, a few comments coming in here, Claire, before we go into the uh, the heavy duty discussion about climate and what's going wrong in the capital of Britain at the moment. Uh, Blodders says the whole scam of everything is centered on the UN Sustainable Development Goals. I think you're right, Blodders. Uh, they've managed to hijack countries and governments all over the world on the basis of a false assessment. We'll talk about that in a moment. Skippy says... If Agenda 21 was for the year 2021, it would be called Agenda 2021, just as Agenda 2030 is. Yes, Kibbe, I think Agenda 21 meant Agenda for the 21st century. That's what I think it was originally set up as. I haven't got time to check it while we're on air, but I will look it up after the show. And uh, I'll tell you what I find out next week. Uh, Dr. Bloke says, the folks in whom I have most faith are those with uh, skin in the game, no skin in the game and everything to lose, e.g., MEP Christine uh, Anderson, Dr. Claire Craig, Dr. Mike Yaden. Uh, uh, two more here. Uh, one is that uh, uh, Fox says, I wore a tinfoil hat on the marches in London. Well, good for you then. And I just take it from, uh, uh, I, I take it on trust that you did that. Did it help? And uh, my bite says, my hat's made from Kevlar. Good, good response there. Uh, very impressive, very impressive. And uh, uh, one more, there's a lot of talk about gym jams, which we go, won't, won't go into. Uh, so Claire, there is one person who wears a tin hat, but I'm sure that was an irony. Let's maybe talk about, maybe it was for, sorry, go on. Just a joke. <laughs> I would say, so I might wear a tin hat and uh, and let's see what happens. Uh, if you, The thing is, the people who believe all this rubbish will miss the irony and say, oh, you okay. see? <laughs> and that's the problem. Um, the, uh, uh, the the question that I want to explore here is this whole idea about climate change, uh, and environment and health. The two things get mixed up endlessly. Sadiq Khan, the current mayor of London, has mixed it up. He himself doesn't understand sometimes, or doesn't seem to understand, his own policy about ULES, the uh, ultra-low emission zone, is nothing to do with climate change. Even if you believe in this rubbish, it's nothing to do with climate change. And yet he himself and his people have mixed the things up. So let's start with why you don't think that there's a climate crisis. Um, because I think the data says otherwise. I and mean, again, I can't I can't claim to be a climate change um, you know, e expert on this. Um, I, I just see psychology. I understand psychology. And uh, you know, the da there's data to prove that there is a, there, there isn't a climate change emergency. It all comes down to the rotation, I get I guess enough of the earth, isn't it? It's something to do with we've had ice ages. The earth isn't actually warming up anymore. We go through these cycles. Again, I can't claim to be an expert on any of this. 
I just I just understand people and I understand psychology and how you can manipulate people um, just through reading enough and seeing what is going on. I mean, we know the air quality is um, is good anyway. It's in I think we're in the top 10 um, countries in the world, I, I believe. Um, the data also shows that the air quality hasn't actually improved since the congestion charging has been brought in anyway. I mean, Let's let's just say that there's I think there's been a lot of backhanders. It's um, been very corrupt and very fraudulent in trying to manipulate the data to serve his agenda. And um, what is the ultimate in, goal? Is it just to control in, in, the people? Well, in two and a half minutes, you said and started by saying you weren't a climate change expert. But you proved you know more than most of the people. <laughs> who are in government. It, it, it's, uh, my... it's like speed learning. When you try and speed learn so many things, you know, you're like trying to learn about viruses. I have basic knowledge. Try and learn about viruses. Try and learn about vaccines and trying to learn about climate change and the environment. And, you know, it's a lot. I, I, you know, it's, it's literally speed learning. It's like doing a university course in, you know, in five minutes. It's 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 a lot. You can, I would say I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. I know a little bit <laughs> about a lot, but enough to know that it's a lie, you know, and know well, when somebody's lying to me. Yeah, the, the, the green movement seems to know a little bit about a little uh, rather than uh, focusing on, the, on their own subject area. It's very telling that the greens are very unwilling to engage with those of us who want to talk about the science because I suspect either they don't understand the science or if they do, they know that they're wrong. Uh, you're completely right. But he's not even, Sadiq Khan's not even pushing this agenda based on cl really climate change. He's managed to push it. And again, this is how they do it based on fear. He's pushing it based on people's health by saying people are dying from air pollution. That's how he's pushing this agenda because people will be scared of that in the same way with COVID. You know, they don't want to get sick. And it's actually one death in 20 years that they've actually managed to attribute. Um, and it was air pollution was a contributory factor. One death. Yes. Yes. So just to finish on the climate change, you're quite right. Uh, although the mayor and his own people have mixed up this ULES ultra low emission zone thing with climate change, it's nothing to do with it. Even if you believe the climate change scam, it's nothing to do with it. So you're right. Let's focus now on this health point. As you say, well, Claire, there has been one single death certificate which says that uh, air pollution was a contributory factor. But I don't even buy that because the, the girl the was acutely, she had an acute health condition, chronic health condition, but it became acute and she was in and out of hospital time and time again. Uh, but yeah. I believe that we, we tried to submit evidence for myself and others who are campaigning to say that this whole thing is not correct. And we weren't even allowed to give evidence at the trial, at the, at yeah. the inquest, sorry. Yeah, and the, uh, the initial coroner's report didn't state air pollution. He actually pushed for a second coroner to put air pollution on the death certificate. And that's, that's all he's had to go on ever since. And uh, as it turns out, the mother of that child, you know, she still lives on a very uh, busy main road. And due to these LTNs um, that obviously he's actually that's, enforcing. That's low traffic, low traffic neighbourhoods. That's when they, they try to push traffic out of an area and make massive detours and inconvenience for people who live there. Well, it, you know, it's it, when I say about the psychology of this, it, you know, it's mental psychology, but it's also visual. So, you know, you think back during uh, COVID, 
shut all the back roads so people can't use them that with the box planters that got put in place or you know making them one way or no entry or you're going to get fined if you go down there it pushed all the traffic onto the main roads he also owns the traffic lights and controls the traffic lights sequencing you mess about with the sequencing and you're holding more traffic at traffic lights it gives the appearance of more more vehicles on the road obviously if you're driving in a much lower speed um and a lower gear then obviously you're, you are creating more um, air pollution. So visually, it, it gives that impression that there is an air pollution problem due to vehicles. Now, a lot of these uh, vehicles now, due to the LTNs and obviously being forced onto the main roads, he's forcing more traffic actually along the road where this woman lives. And she has a son and apparently he's also sick So, um, and has quite um, ill health for quite a while. So you wonder whether it's actually genetic whether there was a genetic condition that both these children actually already had. And so, you know, it's, it's a minefield really, but I do believe that all of it is, is visual to create the illusion that there are far too many vehicles creating too far too much pollution, but none of it makes sense because if you're forcing I, 20 mile an hour speed limits and they've just enforced um, one in Manchester in some of the roads there at 10 mile an hour speed limit, but isn't this all to make it as stressful as possible for you to drive so that you stop job driving because it's so stressful? We're being forced off the road through high insurances, um, you know, our, <clears throat> our cars not being compliant. Um, every step you're taking a percentage of people off the road by their own circumstances rather than actually forcing them to do it. Just to be clear about this, for those who may not be familiar with this scandalous uh, persecution of road users in London. The mayor, Sadiq Khan, he's Labour mayor, he has launched, waged essentially a war on private car users uh, by stealing road space for cycles. Uh, when it's raining, there are almost no cycles in those roads, uh, in those cycle lanes. In the daytime, very few as well. He's introduced these things called LTNs, low traffic neighbourhoods that Claire's mentioned. Uh, and these stop roads from being usable and all of this when the taxpayer the road user is paying for the roads and the cyclists don't pay a penny and this ridiculous uh, abuse of money in my judgment from road users who spend something like 37,000 million pounds a year in tax for the privilege of driving just shows how far are the servants of the people uh, people like uh, uh, people like Sadiq Khan have have drifted away from their core purpose. Here's the thing though, Claire, if, if uh, the mayor was right and he moans about particulate matter, PMs for short little bits that float in the air, if they're so bad for us, if they're killers, why is he forcing road users from their cars into the underground where the particulate matter is 600% to 3000% higher than it is at the road? Now, I think there's at street level, I think there's a class action to be had here because by his own confession, by his own claims, He's putting people into a deadly atmosphere. And I yeah. think that we should actually be pursuing that. What do you think? Well, it isn't, obviously, it isn't just him, is it? He um, chairs C40 cities. So many mayors in many different countries have signed up to this initiative, which, again, comes back to the World Economic Forum. Because the World Economic Forum, back in 2016, have a whole section on reducing private ownership of vehicles and how they're going to go about that. So, you know, we're talking about London, but we already know that 
these these ULES schemes have already been set up in various places all over our country already. Bristol, Bath, Bournemouth, um, Manchester, uh, Birmingham, Cambridge, I think is next, Glasgow, you know, and they all want to expand out. And actually, if you're going to look at the long scale agenda, you can see now how the drip feed is of how we're all actually going to be herded, because that's what's going to happen. You know, these cameras going up, they're, they're not just for AMPR to obviously find a non-compliant car. You know, Susan Hall's even said that if she gets in, yes, she'll stop you less on day one. Great. You know, but again, that's just a psychological tactic because ULES contract ends in 2026. But what comes in in 2026? Paper mile. And there's no guarantee that she's going to stop paper mile. Paper mile is national. Um, she says she'll hand the cameras over to the police. Well, these cameras already have the technology for facial recognition um, and obviously surveillance. So that's essentially what it's going to be for. Now, everybody who lives in the countryside, so like, like I do, where these these schemes are being slowly they're just going to blend out and it's going to be the whole of the UK and any other country that's obviously signed up to this as well people that live in the countryside how are they going to get about when they don't have good public transport because take Sadiq Khan it's all well and good in the centre of London and that's what a lot of people will look at when you say London people think of the city of London they don't think of all the suburban uh, boroughs that circle the city of London, like mine, which we have a lot of farms, you know, farmers and fields and countrysides and valleys, which is exactly where I am. And that public transport isn't really being extended out. We have routes cancelled, um, routes that are terminated if they're running late. And then people having to walk down, you know, country lanes that aren't lit up. So as this goes on and we say we go to Euro 7, then we go to Paper Mile, then everything's forced to electric, electric cars, you know, buses, or, uh, scooters, bikes. And again, that's not good for the environment. The, the mining of these lithium batteries and then the disposal of these lithium, lithium batteries, is that good for the environment? You know, it, it just seems a little bit hypocritical, but we will go to that. Then they want car sharing. They want people to car share. You know, and then moving on from that, the reduced private ownership of vehicles. You know, so it's just a drip feed of conditioning people slowly to change the way they live their lives and move about freely. And that's what lockdown was about. I should I should point out to those who aren't familiar with London politics that Susan Hall is the Conservative candidate who wants to defeat Sadiq Khan, the Labour candidate and current mayor for that position. And Susan Hall... I asked her directly, why are you going on along with these policies? And I didn't get a very convincing answer. Uh, and why don't you highlight the fact that there is no climate emergency? The, the problem we now have is this conformity at the centre, which makes it very difficult for the public to be optimistic about the future. Second point, in line with what you just said about public transport, Claire, let me quote something from the Evening Standard. That's the London Evening Standard, the main free newspaper in London. Uh, this is from September last year. Sadiq Khan criticizes data shows scale of London bus cuts, including in many outer boroughs. And apparently, Greater London has 6% fewer bus kilometers than it had 10 years ago. So not only are we sold this uh, lie about uh, air pollution, which is completely contradicted by the mayor's own actions by forcing us into the underground, but on top of that, they're reducing public transport yeah. it's the, the, just the politics of the madhouse also but as you say central london uh, is is a place where maybe you don't need to drive much i used to live there 
but you have to be pretty rich to live there. The poor, the ones who commute in to do all the menial jobs, they can't yeah. afford to live in central London. So they're hit twice. It's his new heavily advertised super loop needs to be mentioned as well, because, you know, again, people think, oh, well, that's great. He's created a super loop. Well, put it this way. From where I live, the super loop is a 20 minute drive. If you want to get the bus from where I live in, in rush hour, you're probably looking at 35 minutes, maybe 40 minutes in non rush hour, 25 minutes. So you still got to get a bus that quite often terminates or doesn't come down where to where I live because it's obviously can't get here or it's terminated or it's stopped, whatever. There's always a reason you still got to get there to, to get the Superloop anyway. So the Superloop doesn't actually cover every single area and he's advertising it as, oh, it's, you know, that's going to solve everything. But actually it doesn't. For all the outer boroughs that are on the boundary of this ULES, that doesn't help us at all. It makes no difference to us, this Superloop. So, yeah, but, um, yeah that, that it's, it's a false economy. And, and also... Uh, there are places, because everything goes into London then comes out, there are places which are only a few kilometres from where I'm sitting, but it would take me, and it would take me mm, 15 minutes to drive it, but it would take me two hours on public transport. And yeah. the problem here is we've got policymakers, many of them rich enough to live within cycling distance of transport for London, which have this ugly headquarters right in the middle, really, in a place, uh, in a place called Southwark. Who, who legislate us off the roads because it doesn't affect them. And yeah. they don't think about the fact that my now late mother, who is very disabled, is a cent would have been essentially excluded from much of London because the only way she can get right, well, could get around was by driving uh, or, or sometimes in a taxi, but that was too expensive. So now what and we've done is we've, cre uh, we've created an inner part of London, which is only good if you're able-bodied maybe fit enough yeah. to cycle, obviously, therefore, not a blue collar worker, not somebody who's manually working, because you're not going to waste your energy cycling to the building site. And they keep telling us it's for our own good. China, no, I, which is good. Go on, sorry. No, I was going to say, I, I wouldn't be able to. I mean, I actually live at the bottom of the valley in the village that I live in. I rely heavily on my car. I do actually have a hidden disability. I have fibromyalgia and ME. So my car is my security blanket. Um, that's what really pushed me, especially obviously when we had the camera vans coming in to find people where I live. We already have a proportion of people that, especially elderly and some disabled, that already are locked down in their own homes. They can't even out to get to our shops. We have one high street of shops. You've got to go up a very, very steep hill. So we have elderly people that their cars weren't compliant. The scrappish scheme wasn't what he's made it out to be. Some people didn't qualify, couldn't get it. Some people were still fighting to get it. Some people's cars may have been worth £2,000 and they got £400 for their car. What are they going to get for that? You know, so they've got non-compliant cars still sitting on their driveways that they're too scared to use because they can't afford the £12.50 or the £90 fine. So now they've got neighbours doing their shopping for them. They're stuck at home. What's that doing for hold their that. mental health, quality of life? Yeah, hold, hold, you know, I was struggling. We have, to, we have to go to a break, but we'll come back to that. And we're going to talk about remedies as well. Uh, lots of comments in the chat. I haven't really got time to go through all of them. Uh, I can't carry my paint and brushes and ladders on a bicycle, says Holly. Quite right as well. Uh, uh, Holly says, we buy any car. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, but you have to have the money to actually buy another one after that. Uh, just one more. Well, they don't want blue collar workers, do they, says Blodders. Uh, get your brain chip plug into the mainframe and robots and AI will do the rest.
We'll get more of your calls and comments in a moment. Uh, this is the Lemodopic Show here on TNT. See you in a few minutes. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Fresh off her court victory worth over $83 million over Donald Trump, of course, columnist E. Jean Carroll appeared on The Rachel Maddow Show and expressed her euphoria by making this offer to Maddow. You've talked about using some of Trump's money that you're about to get um, to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be, what that might look like? Yes, Rachel. Yes. Tell me. I had such, such great ideas (laughs) for all the good I'm going to do with this money. First thing, Rachel, you and I are going to go shopping. We're going to get completely (laughs) new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? It's yours, Rachel. Penthouse and uh, France? You want France? You want to go fishing in France? No? Oh, all right, all right, okay. That's a joke. (laughs) I'm sorry, is it just me? Or does Carol's offer to Maddow seem to cheapen? and delegitimize all she says she stands for. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Right, I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you, ears, eyes. Would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands, roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs, trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up. You're with Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the Lembitopic Show. 15 minutes left. We've got a lot to get through, uh, but don't go anywhere after my show. D.D. Denso is coming up, uh, digging deeper, as we do here at today's News Talk TNT. Uh, but with me still is Claire, and we're digging deep into the motivations of these crazy people who don't understand the climate. There is no emergency, by the way. Who don't understand uh, airborne health-related uh, pollution because there really isn't much. Uh, but do think that they can control us. Let me read some of the quest- comments you've got here. Uh, sorry if I can't get to you. You've been very busy today, and I applaud you for that. Skippy says, uh, that is one of the reasons I think that the new age thinking and age of Aquarius has been promoted. Be fake spiritual and say no to material things. Uh, yes, uh, and we've been told by people like Klaus Schwab, I think he said, that we will own nothing and be happy. I wonder if he owns nothing. I wonder if he has a car. Interesting question there. And uh, a couple more here. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, other point there is thieving people, says Skippy. They undervalue everything, even immaculate cars. That's true. Uh, the bottoms dropped out of the market for lovely older cars because you can't use them in central London. But of course, they're going to become quite valuable if they actually ban the sale of new petrol and diesel cars because there simply won't be enough electricity uh, going around. Uh, and just one more. Uh, which is from Jane. All private ownership of everything is to end. You will own nothing for the greater good. Community food hubs, community fridges, but you'll work for your UBI social credit points in the fields. But it's not happening. Too many of us are awake and we reach peak crisis. That's what I hope for as well. Uh, Claire, that is the hope, really. Um, That's where the pushback comes. 
So that's what I've always said from day, that's what I've always said from day one. You know, don't don't hate on anybody. We need to counteract the divide. They want us all divided. They want us all in small minority groups. So whether that's they're pushing racism, the LGBT, the LGBTQ, non-binary, they want lots of everyone wants to belong somewhere. Every, no matter what they say, they want to feel like they belong to something. Everyone seems to want to label these days. So somebody finds their small little group. Um, and that's what it is. They, they want us divided. They want us all fighting each other rather than looking at what is actually going on and what they are actually doing. Because if we're divided, then we fall. We need to be united. So I've always said this. I said, I all I want to do is to try and gain awareness, whether that's in this country or globally. And slowly after over the last four years, more and more people are waking up. That's why I jumped on the ULES because I could see so many people waking up and I thought, do you know what? I can get people to wake up to the entire gender. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because people need to realize that ULES isn't isolated. COVID wasn't isolated. 15 minute cities isn't isolated. This is all part of one big agenda. I always say it's one branch and it all leads down to the root of the same tree. People just need to join the dots up, essentially. That's so. Let's think about something which we have discussed, we discussed during the break, and I think it's such an important question that we share it with our global audience. What is the motivation? You asked me that question, and it's a great question. What is the motivation? My answer would be that there are three motivations, actually, three, three motives. One is uh, people who couldn't get power in any other way create this fake agenda so that they can jump in and, and get power, like the Greens. They're never seriously going to be in charge of a country. So therefore, they create a crisis and then wag the dog of politics, getting ignorant politicians to buy their agenda. Secondly, I think it's a group of people who mean well and are looking for a kind of religious awakening. So they, they follow the environmental agenda. They follow the, the health agenda. They follow the, the sexual politics agenda because they want to look like they're doing good. And then the third mm -hmm. one, I think, is financial because, for example, much of the green agenda is just not economic. It's economic nonsense. It's it's economically illiterate. And so therefore they get subsidies to do things which couldn't possibly work without those subsidies. I remember uh, trying to tell my dad all about this um, late 2020, and I literally went through the entire timeline and everything that was going to happen, which we are obviously not even up to now. And that's when I said, you know, I, I didn't just wake up and become psychic. I read all of this. And he said to me, you're basically talking like China's social credit scoring system. I said, that's exactly what I'm saying. So it's already there. It's all, you know, we accept that that's, that's going on in China. And people say, well, it's a communist country. Why can people not believe that that's where we're heading? Because it is. Because, as I said, moving on from here, I'm trying to tell people, you know, the energy bill is coming out. Your house won't be compliant. You will have to make your house compliant in the same way your vehicle is. And if it isn't, that is... It's a £50,000 fine. Are you going to be able to afford £50,000 and to make your house compliant? Because no house is compliant unless it's a new build because everything's got to go to electric. So that's a complete overhaul of pretty much every person's home, whether they rent it or they own it or outright or they still have a mortgage. Most people, including myself, aren't going to ever be able to afford to make our house compliant. So then what happens? We can't sell our house. Our house becomes almost worthless. You know, if your house is worth £500,000, the bank's going to come along and say, we'll offer you £100,000 for it, especially if you live in the outer boroughs of London. And now I can see what's happening 
in just our country with every major city throughout the UK introducing this congestion charge that people can't afford. Um, cameras going up everywhere that are essentially going to be used for surveillance. People's houses won't be compliant. They'll end up being worthless. You know, they're going to be in debt. They're going to end up probably having to sell their homes. But what, what will be offered instead? A nice, smart flat in a block in a major city. And there's your 15-minute city. And then you've got your digital ID and your digital currency, all linked to your carbon footprint. There's a scene in the change. There's a a scene in the film rendition of George Orwell's seminal book, 1984, where Mm. Winston and his girlfriend go into the countryside and they think that they're not being filmed, but they are. And I feel what you said earlier on is an ominous portent of where we're heading. Let me read you some comments because you've certainly lit the fuse of free speech on our chat. I'll just read some of these now. Uh, Jones from Wales says, there's no stopping the awakening, hence the ramming through of the agenda. I think that's true. I think they're getting a bit worried now. Uh, Red says, unity is our strength. Uh, Another uh, comment from Blodders, build back better, but by us, not by them. Uh, And Blodders says, now you're getting to the meat and potatoes, Claire. Uh, That's... uh, uh, a position uh, also supported by Jane about building up better. Uh, Blodder simply says cowards and morons. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that they are cowards, but they're also cynics. I'd add cynics to that list. Uh, Jane says they overestimated our ignorance. I think so. The reason that uh, today's news talk is gaining so many uh, uh, viewers is, I think, because we are actually finding lots of people are beginning to push back now. Um, and the only qualification to watch TNT is to want to think and to dare to question, really. Uh, uh, Jones from Wales adds, there's too many uh, of us for them to control, so they need a cull. And that's why TNT is perhaps so dangerous to them. Uh, Hidden in Plain Sight says, yeah, cheers, yes, we are good people here who need to uh, set out awareness, see out awareness as a catalyst and forerunner uh, for others to follow. Where did that come from? Uh, my head hurts now. Says <laughs> then plain sight. Yeah, have a have another cup of tea. That's a good idea. Very British thing to do. They can't take that away from us. Uh, and finally, Red says this climate change hoax is so easy to debunk within about three unequivocal sentences. Uh, Claire, it seems to me that you have certainly empowered our growing number of viewers and listeners to agree. But looking ahead now, we've only got a few minutes left. What should we be doing? to regain control. And remember, in a democracy, theoretically, the public is in control because we pay our servants to serve us. That's a really difficult question to answer, isn't it? I mean, I've always said if we become a majority globally, we can win this, but people need to step up. That's why I've spent the last four years and will continue to do so, trying to nicely wake people up by planting those seeds and posing questions. People were scared, thinking, oh, we're a minority. I've never believed we're a minority. Just through studying people, I stuck my nose in all over the world with issues that are going on and seeing what people are doing that hasn't been put on mainstream media. They want us to believe we're a minority. We're not. Just We have little sections of people, people like me who will just speak out and open their mouths. You've got people that will quietly discuss it with their friends. You've got people that are just too scared to even say what their views are. People need to be brave now. They need to step up and actually start speaking. What's the answer? I don't know. Personally, I kind of think if we could all uh, speed learn the law, maybe we could get them legally when it comes to our taxes, because that's a whole other subject about how fraudulent things are. Um 
I don't know. I think people just need to keep speaking up. Everyone has a breaking point. And I think as we go along, this agenda is going to hit more people. And like I said, each person's breaking point is different for another when they say enough is enough. How do you win it? I, I don't know. Is it legally or is it for a revolution? Can you answer that? Uh, I, I, funny, I was thinking about the word revolution. Uh, and maybe you are psychic because then you said it. Uh, my answer is this. I have never considered myself to be a revolutionary. And it's bothered me, Claire, why I seem to be on some pioneering outlier field of people who push mm. back against conformism. I actually have wanted to conform. I've always thought that would be an easier life, but I can't do it. Here's my answer. It seems to me I'm actually trying to stop a revolution, a revolution where we give up our freedom, our independence, our property, our uh, ability to move around as we wish to, our cars, our central freedom. heating, and our freedom, and uh, summarizing our freedom and our freedom to choose. I think the revolution I'm trying to stop is a revolution of authoritarianism, made easier yeah. by technical advance. And so the answer I give to the question that you asked and the one I've asked myself is this. We aren't the revolutionaries. We're trying to stop a terrible revolution that stops us from being free in countries that pretend to support freedom. And if that's the case, surely a majority would be on our side. Well, I would hope so. Like I said, I do believe there's more people out there than what they want us to believe. Because again, everyone wants to fit in that box. Everyone wants to be part of society. And I, I definitely saw that with you, Liz. I mean, you know, criminal activity happening, which obviously I can't condone. But you just had to look around and see that the people were were agreeing with it. You know, they were condoning the cutting down of these cameras. Why? Because morally it was wrong and morally and also they could see that the majority of people were against it so people don't want to go against a majority so they th these people need to see that what we're saying now isn't a conspiracy theory what we've been saying for the last however many years it is it isn't crazy it is happening you know there is an agenda at play um and i think people will more people will start to wake up and see that and they need to be brave and speak out and start becoming active and trying to obviously do something about it that's yeah, all i can uh, say well you, it, you say all as if it's not much it's enough <laughs> and i'm really grateful that you spent this hour with me uh, talking about the need to stop a bad revolution i would summarize what i've learned from you today and actually from our other guests as follows, think for yourself, do not tolerate being pushed around by our servants. And when they don't do what you want, find alternatives. And if you're not happy with those alternatives, be the alternative. I ended up in parliament because I didn't like the way I was being governed. And for 13 years, I hopefully made some difference. Now I'm doing it in a different way. Claire, do come back soon. Let's see how we progress with this. But you've got a lot of support here over the TNT viewers. I can see it uh, going on and it's carrying on as well. Uh, and, and be one of our viewers as well, because coming up next, digging even deeper, is the Denslow, uh, who will be really looking at the same themes that we talk about here, which can be summarized as freedom of thought, freedom of speech, and freedom to live. That's three hours up with me again. I'll be back uh, not just uh, next weekend, but during the week, because we are covering Julian Assange's deportation trial. 
uh, to see if he can defend free speech without being sent to America to face some very questionable charges. That's going to be live from central London. I'll be involved in that as well, uh, particularly on Tuesday and Wednesday. Thanks to my team. Thanks to my guests more than anything. Thanks to you for thinking and for bringing your friends to the TNT stable. I'll see you during the week and stay on for DD Denslow in just a few minutes. Have a good day.